we've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word RAR sample like it's all squished together in one word. <laughs> RAR sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 109 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. So this is actually going to be our last show before we take it, just a little break. Not too long, I promise. We're just going to take a break for the month of September. We're homeschooling families here at Read Aloud Revival. We need a little time to get the school year going, but we're going to be back on October 2nd with a whole nother batch of fantastic episodes for you. Today, I want to talk about how we can travel the world with our children through picture books. At Read Aloud Revival, we're always talking about how picture books are not just for young kids, but they're for older kids too. Here's something interesting to think about. Picture books often feature richer, more beautiful language than chapter books and novels do. This is why when authors and publishers are making picture books, they are expecting that these books will be read aloud to children. But when they're making chapter books and novels, they're expecting those books to be read by the children themselves. So when we think about picture books, they're not worried about reading level. The language can be so much richer because of that. So I think a lot of times, and we're going to talk about this a little later in today's show, we think of reading as a ladder where you, you read aloud picture books to your young kids and then they step up maybe to early easy readers and then they step up to chapter books and novels and you're like rungs of a ladder, you're moving up a ladder. And I want to just get rid of that whole metaphor. That is not what we want our children's reading lives to look like. It's so much healthier, so much richer to think of our child's reading life as a set of expanding concentric circles. And so when they're young, very young, and they can't read for themselves, we're reading picture books to them. And then when they're starting to read on their own, we can add a layer of easy readers, but we still keep reading those picture books to them. Then when they become fluent readers, they start reading chapter books. And we indeed start reading novels to them, but we continue to read those picture books. Our literary richness, our, our diet of books becomes really rich and varied. Instead of rungs of a ladder where you leave something behind and graduate, we want to think about expanding concentric circles so that we're welcoming more kinds of books and more language into our child's reading life. Another thing that picture books have, surprise, surprise, are pictures. <laughs> oh, the beautiful pictures. It's kind of funny to me that as a society, we tend to think of picture books as something for young kids. And then as adults, we spend all kinds of money to go look at pictures at art museums. <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. A picture book is an art museum in your child's lap. Some of the world's greatest artists have made their art for picture books. Some of today's best artists are making their art for picture books. Can you imagine? I'd love to imagine Laura Ingalls Wilder, who, by the way, if you remember from her 
the Little House books, she talked about her the green animal book. You know, they had one green animal book that was like a treasured book. They read it over and over in their home. And just imagine that if you were able, if you could give little young Laura <laughs> Ingalls a beautiful, rich picture book, what a feast for the eyes that would be. We sort of take it for advantage. We take take it for granted, you know, that that we have this ability to put this rich, beautiful art right into the laps of our children. So today I invited Rhea Berg back to the Read Aloud Revival podcast. We'll put her first episode where we talked about learning history through books. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. That was a few years ago. It was high time for her to come back. Now, in my conversation with Rhea, you're going to hear us talk about homeschooling. That's because I have a homeschooling family. A lot of our listeners are homeschooling families. And Rhea herself is a homeschooling mother. And her company, Beautiful Feet Books, makes wonderful guides for homeschooling families. But if you're not a homeschooler, I don't want you to ditch this episode because I think you're going to be inspired by how beautiful picture books can really nurture your relationship and the education of your children. We're going to go through it whether or not you're a homeschooling family or not. So don't ditch the episode just when we start talking about homeschooling. (laughs) That's one of my caveats. And also, as I was editing this episode, I kind of noticed that I didn't give you the title of the guide that we start talking about, oh, I don't know, about a third of the way in. So I'm going to give it to you now. It's called Around the World with Picture Books. And like every episode of the Read Aloud Revival, you can see that book, other books we mentioned during the show, and all the links and resources we mentioned in the show notes. You can also get a complete transcript and a cheat sheet if you just want a quick and dirty version of the podcast. You can get those at readaloudrevival.com slash 109. Okay, let's do this. Let's just give listeners a quick introduction to your work. So do you want to tell them about Beautiful Feet Books and then maybe a little bit about your family? Well, Beautiful Feet Books really was an outgrowth of my own homeschooling with my children. And I just, when I first thought that I would be homeschooling, I was inspired by the work of Susan Schaefer McCauley in the book For the Children's Sake. And it just, that book just really set a vision for me of what education could look like. And so after I read that book, I was on a mission to just find the best books for children because, you know, the Charlotte Mason approach, which is what For the Children's Sake is about, is just a beautiful introduction to catching a vision for what you can do in your home with your children using the best literature and exposure to art and music and nature studies. And so that was my first introduction. And and I actually didn't have any real exposure to picture books as a child. I was not read to as a child. And so my first real exposure, I mean, I had a few books, like we had Winnie the Pooh and A.A. Milne's When We Were Six. And, you know, I read those books as a child and we had a few things around, but mostly adult books. And so it was when I had my own children that I really fell in love with picture books. You know, I also had Elizabeth Wilson's book, Books Children Love. And, you know, in those days, we didn't have Amazon Prime. So if we wanted to use a beautiful book with our children, we went to the library. And I always went with Books Children Love in hand. And that was my guide to finding the the best books. And that's how I got introduced to so many picture book artists, you know, the the Dovlairs and Marguerite Henry and uh, Margaret D'Angeli and all of those, Robert Lawson and 
Robert McCluskey and all of those wonderful old classics. That's where I discovered them. And that's what I started using to teach my children. So tell me what about, what do you say to people who think their kids are too old for picture books? I had mentioned at the beginning that we sort of tend to think of picture books as being for younger kids, something that your kids read until they can read, like they're going to graduate from picture books. Right. (laughs) I think in the read aloud family, I talked about if we could think of books instead of a ladder, like you graduate from picture books to easy readers. Oh my goodness. To like, you know, to chapter (laughs) books. Instead, if we kind of think of them as concentric circles, like expanding concentric circles so that you're always adding richness and by adding to the picture books, the picture books never actually lose an important place in your, your child's life or in your life. What do you say to people who think their kids are too old for picture books? Well, I think it's such a great point, and I love your metaphor there of concentric circles because I think C.S. Lewis just sums it up so perfectly. A children's story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's story, Mm -hmm. not in the slightest. No book is really worth reading at the age of 10, which is not equally and often far more worth reading at the age of 50 and beyond. And that's really how I feel about picture books, too, because I mean, here I am, you know, a woman in my 60s, and I'm doing this course on around the world of picture books, and I'm just falling in love with picture books I never knew about, picture books I've never seen before, and the stories of real people that have just inspired and challenged me. And so it shows you that picture books are for everyone. And that, you know, I think that's the real beauty of a classic children's book or an award-winning children's book is as an adult, when you sit down and read it with your child, you're getting just as much out of it as a child. And often just because of our perspective and our life experience, even more than your child is getting. So I think that's the key is a really beautiful book, a really well-written, well-crafted book is it's ageless, it's timeless. One of the things I love, because for listeners who don't know, my kids at the time of this recording anyway, are 16, 14, 13, 6, and then the twins are five. So I will sit down to read a picture book with my five-year-old twins and my six-year-old. And when I look up over my shoulder, <laughs> all the older kids are now peeking over. You know, it's either a book that they loved from their that's childhood. Right. So they're like, oh, I remember that one. Or it's one that's new and they don't know about and they're just reeled in. My favorite is at bedtime, all three of my boys, the 13-year-old and the five-year-old twins share a room, bless my 13-year-old's heart. And when I'm sitting there reading their bedtime stories, he'll often come in and get his stuff for his shower. And so often he'll come in to get his things for his shower and then he'll just sit down and listen to the rest of the story. And then specifically, you have a, a new program, a Beautiful Feet Books, that I am in love with. I'm actually using this program with my own five and six-year-olds this coming year. Let's talk about the program first. Like what, what inspired you to write it and what is it exactly? Oh, let's see. Well, I think I was... I was really wanting something new and fresh for those primary grades because we've had our most popular curriculums are our early American history, which is a picture book curriculum. And, and then we have a geography one and, and a science one. And those have always been very popular for the primary grades. But we never really did anything that sort of stretched the horizons and went beyond sort of early American history. So I was really hankering to do something like that. And I started thinking, oh, I'm going to write an Around the World with Picture Books study. That'll be really fun. And honestly, it has been really, really fun. But of course, what I discovered is my vision was way too big because there are so many wonderful picture books from around the world that 
trying to put it all in, in a one-year study was virtually impossible. And of course, I didn't, you know, find that roadblock until I was about halfway through. And I just, you know, then I had to, you know, inform the company that, you know, I just can't do this in one year. I'm going to have to break it up into two parts, maybe even three parts. And there was some pushback on that, but I finally convinced them that it would be okay. And so, so the very first guide covers Asia, Australia, Africa, and Antarctica. And then the guide that I'm just finishing up now is Europe and South America. So it's been really a wonderful experience for me because one of the things that, you know, Charlotte Mason is such a big proponent of is, is nature studies. And, and honestly, I have to say there weren't a lot of really great just resources when I was homeschooling my children who are all adults now. There weren't a lot of great resources for incorporating nature studies into your everyday study. And so I didn't ever feel like I did a really good job of that. I felt like I did history and literature pretty well, but the nature studies, I just, I don't know, it always seemed like it was extra. So when I set about to do this guide, I decided I'm going to have a nature studies component that's going to be integral to this guide. And so, so this guide includes literature and then it includes nature studies. We have these beautifully drawn animals from all over the world. And then we have links for excellent videos on them. And the children get to cut them out and color them and paste them in their notebooks. So having the nature component as part of the guide was really important to me because I just knew as a young mom, I struggled so much to make sure I got that in on a regular basis. And with this guide, not only do you have all of these amazing, wonderful books, but every country that you study has a map of the country for the kids to color and and these wonderful nature studies with these beautiful animals. And so it, to me, it was like, oh, I wish that there had been something like this when I was homeschooling because it just, to me, it fulfills, you know, that vision that Charlotte Mason had, just having that focus on wonder and always incorporating wonder into your studies. Well, one thing I can tell you I appreciate about it is that this is what you write in the, uh, this is on very page one, and this is page one, so it was like right out of the (laughs) get-go. You said, the best literature tends to inspire the student's interest and curiosity to bubble up naturally, and often notes are not necessary. If this is a child's first exposure to a diet rich in literature, a little prompting helps the student begin to look, question, and observe more keenly, which is the ultimate purpose of the notes. Allow the literature to do what it does so well with only gentle prompting to observe something unnoticed. When I read that, I went, okay, now here is a guide that's going to help me keep my child and the book at the forefront instead of sort of getting lost in all the peripheral stuff. And the, I guess the focus on helping our children observe and look more closely, which sometimes because it's not something we can document feels like maybe it sure. doesn't matter as much as something that they can write down, <laughs> but it is, it's the poor. That's part. right. That's right. <laughs> Another thing that you well, said thank you. before, you said each day following the guide will be a little different. Be flexible, allow for spontaneity and remember that this guide is just that, a guide. It is not meant to be sacrosanct or followed rigidly. Feel free to ramble off the trail at times as you are inspired to explore, discover, and enjoy the journey of around the world with picture books. 
So to me, it feels like what you're asking us to do, and this is such a very Charlotte Mason thing to do for those listeners who are familiar with Charlotte Mason's educational philosophy. It's like spreading a feast. We spread this feast through books. We help our children look more closely. And then what I sort of noticed as I was looking through your guide is that you constantly remind us that when our kids' eyes light up or when they want to go deeper, stop and go deeper. But when but I guess it's the, the spreading of the feast is what the guide is. And then we just get to stay and like dig more into those mashed potatoes and the kids really love them. <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. Oh, that's awesome. A lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling. But I know something about you. You don't actually need to homeschool better. You need to homeschool happier, to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye. (laughs) And you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too, because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RAR Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. The best news is we do all the prep work for you. If you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample, or you can just text RAR sample, one word, to the number 33777, and we'll send it your way. Now back to the show. Have you heard from anyone from families who are using this? I know that the guide says it's a literature approach for primary grades and probably people mostly purchase this for their, to use with their kids that are, you know, up to grade three, right? But I, as I'm reading mm-hmm. this and looking at it, I mean, the framework is what we do here at Read Aloud Revival too. We're always with our premium members in our book club every month. We're always saying this, there's a very simple three steps you can do. You can read aloud a story. You can share a memorable experience, often around food that relates to the story. Yes. Talk about it, right? You have these wonderful conversations. That right there is in a powerhouse experience, educationally and relationally. And that's what I see this guide as being a springboard for. And I, so I can see it being something you could use with kids who are well beyond grade three. Have you heard of families doing that? In fact, some people have even posted on Instagram how they're bumping it up for their older children by finding chapter books and classic books that go you know, Newbury winners and that sort of thing that can expand the course for their middle and upper grade children so that they're all studying at the same time, really traveling around the world together. So we had Jamie Martin on the podcast. We'll put a link to her conversation with me about her book, Give Your Child the World in the show notes. It's a book that has book list recommendations for older kids, um, like chapter books and novels. And one of the things I keep thinking is you could use, you know, so the same month that you are in Japan in around the world with picture books and you're sharing these picture books and Japanese food and art and nature study, also pulling in some books from Jamie's recommendations based in Japan. Now we have like kids of all different ages 
in the same geographical space in their mind, right? And experiencing the world, sort of slipping in those shoes and and exploring a new part of the world together. And that can be a great jumping off point for family dinner time because now everybody's got something in common, but a different perspective that could be great conversation starter. Oh, I think that's such a, such an important point. And also, I mean, one thing we haven't mentioned at all, but of course, when you're bringing the old along too, what you're really doing is giving your kids a heart for the world and giving them an understanding of, you know, just vastly different and diverse cultures from ours. And what a beautiful way to you really begin cultivating a love for people from all across the globe. This is really God's heart is that all people are, you know, have the same inherent value. All people are created in the Imago Dei. And, you know, boy, we sure need to be cultivating that understanding and that vision in our children when they're young. Every time we read a story with our kids, we get to slip into the shoes of someone else and walk a mile. So I just keep thinking, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. we can fill our children's childhoods with miles and miles of that. They will grow to be empathetic and kind and be able to see yes. every human on the face of the planet as an image of God. It's such a beautiful experience to give our kids, a beautiful opportunity we have as parents. Yeah. And I think it goes along with what Mark Twain said. You know, he said, travel is fatal to prejudice. And that's because when we travel, we see people for who they are. We understand them and we discover that people are really exactly like us. We all have this commonality, this universality to our emotions, our passions, our dreams, the things that we desire in life. And so we can do that. You know, we can't always take our children around the world, but we can do it through the medium of picture books. And one of the books that I want to mention, I think does this so well is in the part one guide. And it's a story of, well, the name of the book is Emmanuel's Dream, the story of Emmanuel Ofusu. And this is a beautiful story about a young boy who was born with only an appendage for one of his legs. And in that culture, it was considered a curse, you know, that you'd been cursed by God if you had a deformed child or a child that was handicapped in some way. But this mother was a woman of faith. And When this child was born, even though her husband abandoned her, she named her newborn son, Emmanuel, God with us. And I think in the testimony of her faith and her vision to see that her child was still, regardless of the challenges he was going to face, he was still in the image of God. And she breathed so much faith into this young man that he... She told him he could do whatever he wanted to do in life and that he could become a success. And, you know, this is a boy that cannot walk because he only has one leg. And yet he figured out how to get himself around. And he became such a strong jumper that he would jump miles. He was so passionate to get an education. He would jump like two miles to school every day on one leg. They didn't even have crutches. and I mean, it just blows your mind because, you know, just the state of what, you know, children born with these sort of challenges face in these countries. 
But eventually, eventually, somehow, when he was a young man, his grandmother found him a pair of crutches. And he became such a skilled soccer ball player that he played soccer, you know, on one leg with a crutch. And anyway, he just had this incredible passion for life and for learning. And he ended up, group from San Diego brought him over to America because they heard of his faith and his passion for learning and this orthopedic, you know, world-class, you know, team, you know, fabricated him a leg. And for the first time in his life, he said, you know, he donned a pair of pants and walked on his own two legs in the Sunday church. And, you know, it's just, and then he set about to change the faith of, you know, disabled children in Ghana. And he has single-handedly, you know, created an entire movement in that country to get people the help they need. And it's just, it's a true story that just, you know, is so inspiring. And there's, you know, there's other books like that, you know, that come out of Africa and, you know, books like The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. There's so many inspiring stories that you can use, you know, with older children, but you can see a story like that. This is a picture book, but it, it just, you know, it just inspires and challenges you and moves you in a very, very deep way. And anybody can read a picture book, anybody. And, you know, thank God for picture books, because I think really picture books are a way that you can fall in love with reading in such a simple, un, you know, just easily approachable, unintimidating way. Anyone can read a picture book. And, you know, even if you've never been a reader your whole life, you can pick up a picture book with your child or a grandparent that's never been a reader. And, you know, it's just, it can be a door to a whole new world for us. Which brings up a really good point about how anybody can read a picture book. And we'll put a link to this other episode the Read Aloud Revival team did a few months back. I can't remember which number. We'll put a link to it in the show notes on using picture books with older kids. We mentioned Mm -hmm. something that's been happening on Instagram it was started by a teacher called Classroom Book a Day. And it was basically a challenge that these school teachers had to read a picture book with their older students every day. Because it only takes, you know, 10 minutes or maybe 15 minutes to read a picture book, they could fit it in. You know, it's not like a novel sure. where you embark on reading, you know, a long novel with your kids and it sort of feels like a commitment. A picture book is something you can start and finish in a matter of minutes, right? But it also gives right. you this whole story, the whole story arc in 15 minutes. So you actually get a whole entire encapsulated story. You get the satisfaction of having finished something, which is not to be taken lightly in motherhood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that laundry pile may not be done. But you finished a book today. <laughs> and you yes, get this opportunity absolutely. to have a conversation with your kids about a story without having to wait a month to finish that longer read aloud that's a chapter book or a novel. There are a lot of benefits that I think uh, a lot of perks that picture books give that actually make them in a lot of ways preferred to longer literature. And I think that's one of those things Mm -hmm. that we can remember, especially with our older kids who are reading to themselves or capable of reading to themselves and who might not, we might not think of as our primary audience for picture books. But we're going to put some of the book selections from this Around the World with Picture Books guide into our show notes so that you can look at them, go get them from the library and try to read a couple and just see what happens. My thought is when you pick a book like this, you're going to be surprised and delighted in ways you didn't expect. And you're a grown up person, right? And so I think like that, that's just one of those things that helps us realize our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, our older kids will be delighted and surprised in ways that we can't even 
you know, imagine. And so Rhea, is there anything you want to leave with our listeners? Anyone, any final words of wisdom for the moms who are really seeking to connect with their kids and are maybe piqued by the interest of doing this through picture books? You know, life is tough and life can be hard and there's sickness and there's death and there's hardship and there's financial stresses. And and yet in all those things, we have this assurance that we'll never be left, we'll never be forsaken. And I, and I think it's important for us to pursue a path that can help cultivate that and keep us in that place of joy. Because no matter what comes against us, we know who we belong to. We know who has us in the palm of his hand. And I think having a focus on beauty and wonder and joy will help us to impart that to our children and to cultivate that in our own lives. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is Francis Paul, and I live in in Lincoln, Nebraska. In Lincoln, Nebraska. And and I'm four. And my favorite book is Fire Engine Man. Because it has a little boy who wants to be a firefighter and he tells his brother he can be a fireman too. Look, it's not my name. Sylvia. Sylvia. And how old are you? Two. What's your favorite book, Sylvia? Angelina Bowie. What do you like about Angelina? She has a button, a brother like you? Yeah. What's your name? Louie. And where do we live? Minnesota. And how old are you? Four. And what's your favorite book to have read aloud to you? My Bible. The Jesus Storybook Bible? Yeah. And what's your favorite part? David and Goliath. How come? Because where the uh, guy says, am I your dog? You like that part? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, my name is Kennedy and I'm four years old. My favorite book is Winter Wonderland because I get to trace my finger on the line. And where are you from, Kennedy? California. What's your name? How old are you? We. And where do you live? Nebraska. What's your favorite book? And what do you like about it? The funny one. What is your name? And how old are you? Um, two. And what, where do you live? At Wisconsin. And what is your favorite book? The Three Monkeys Sitting in the Tree and the Alligator. And the Alligator? Five Little Monkeys Sitting in a Tree? Yeah. What is your favorite part? Well, they escape. They escape from the alligator? Yeah. And what is your name? My name is Abigail Olivia Candy. How old are you? Four and a half years old. Where do you live? I live in, in Wisconsin. And what is your favorite book? My favorite book is Palm Hayberry a lot. Who is it by? Edith Kuhnhout. And illustrated by? Michael Eagle. What is your favorite part of the book? My favorite part of the book is where the serious is wrapped. Hi, my name is Joby Park, and I am eight years old. 
I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. My favorite books are all the Magic Treehouse books because they go on fun adventures and it feels like they are taking me with them. And my other favorite book is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because it's a fun story and about fun candies. Hi, my name is Kinley Park. I am six years old, and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. My favorite book is Peanut Butter and Cupcake because of the silly things that they do and that they all become friends. Hello, my name is Eden, and I'm five years old, and... I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. My favorite book is Charlotte's Web, and my favorite part is when Charlotte dies for Wilbur so that Wilbur doesn't have to die. Thank you, kids. You know I love listening to your book recommendations. I could listen to you guys all day. <laughs> We're taking a little bit of a break just for the month of September. I hope you enjoy the start of a new school year with your kids. We'll be back October 2nd with episode 110. This is an episode a lot of you have been waiting for. Some of you know that at the Great Homeschool Conferences in 2018, the author of the Green Ember series, S.D. Smith, and I did some live podcast recordings. We're mushing them all up together, uh, kind of doing a mix of them. And that's going to be episode 110. It's really fun. That was just a really fun doing a live live podcast recording with a studio audience. I'm just going to say it's really fun because revivalers are awesome. And we got to do a podcast in, I think it was five different states <laughs> over 2018 and record them. So we'll have that one for you on October 2nd. And once again, in October, once we're back, you'll be able to expect a brand new episode every Tuesday. Now, in the meantime, we're not going anywhere. We're just not popping into your earbuds. If you want the best book recommendations, articles, and free resources from the Read Aloud Revival and you don't want to miss any of it, you want to text the word BOOKS to the number 345-345 or go to readaloudrevival.com and sign up for our book list. Once you're on the email list, you get always the very best stuff that we have here at Read Aloud Revival and you don't miss a thing. Again, you can text the word BOOKS to the number 345-345 or just head to readaloudrevival.com and sign up for the book list. And that's where you get the good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad to have you with us. We'll be back in October. Until then, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too. And I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR Premium by going to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or by texting the word RAR sample, like it's one word, all squished together, (laughs) to the number 33777.